Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi there, it's the two Simons here. It's the analyst inside cricket looking back at the fourth day at the MCG, which of course was a rain truncated day. But maybe we can stand on the rooftops now, Simon, and say England have avoided the 5 0 whitewash because I can't see how Australia can get enough runs on the fifth day, even though there's 98 overs available, to really pose a serious threat to England and have time to bowl them out. So England have avoided the whitewash. Is that something for celebration? Well, for minor celebration, I think. Uh, but uh, I mean, don't just trumpet it just yet, Simon. There is a scenario. Now, I'm not being negative here, but I'm just you know, taking you through one scenario, which is possible on the fifth day, that Australia get a lead of, say, 150, 170, something like that, and England have a, a late chase, you know, 170 off 25 overs, and they might feel obliged to go for it and get themselves into trouble. I mean, that's the only scenario which you can see uh, Australia winning the match. So it is possible, but extremely unlikely. A bit like Abu Dhabi uh, two or three years ago when England were on that tour out there and they were asked to chase about 90-odd in the last session. They only had 11 overs. I think they were six down. But you know, if they had a bit more time to chase a few more runs and they really went for it, then it's possible they could get into problems. But you'd see them in a situation like that where they would probably be able to block out for a draw, possibly anyway, unless you know Australia were able to get into them with their two fast bowlers. Hazelwood and Cummings. That's the only scenario, but it looks as if it looks as if England have avoided that whitewash. You've you've just uh, muted my celebrations there. Anyway, okay, fair enough. That's a, a reasonable observation. I don't think, by the way, that David Warner was batting today that there's too much intent from Australia to to try and set a target or, or get quick runs. I mean, he's gone from you know outright smasher to total blocker. Absolutely remarkable, really, when you consider how he started as a T20 player and that's how he developed into it, you know, then a one-day player and then a, a really successful Test match player. Superb 100 in the first innings, 83 not out at lunchtime. Today, incredibly, he played out 12 maidens. He's not even got close to playing out 12 maidens in any other Test innings he's played so far. 140 balls, 
for 40 not out. And what it does show, and I think this is good actually, it shows that Australia, they're not, they haven't just turned up to, to make up the numbers. They're, they're not complacent. They are desperate to not let England have a victory. It's an Ashes test match. They don't want England to come back and, and win a game here. And all those people saying, oh, it, it's a meaningless game. It's, it's a dead game. You know, it doesn't really matter. It matters to Australia. Of course, it matters to England as well. They want some pride and they want a, a win out here. It matters to Australia. They don't want to lose. And Warner showed that this afternoon. Really determined effort. It was like bowling to a, a brick wall. And, of course, there was another brick wall at the other end. It was called Steve Smith. He's 25 not out. And they resisted everything that England threw at them this afternoon, everything that England tried. Having said that, is a moribund pitch. It is not easy for the bowlers to, to get through, especially against high-class players, high-class determined players like Warner and Smith. And, of course, uh, Alistair Cook as well, because I think one of the beauties of, of this Test match has been the contrast in celebrations between David Warner, who finally came to the Ashes party, if you like, and got 100 in the first innings, and he jumped higher than I've ever seen anybody jump without being on drugs on a test match pitch to celebrate his 100 and punch the air. And it was just after, of course, he'd been reprieved on 99. And then Alistair Cook, who turned out his 32nd test 100, who obviously raised his bat and did that, that rather idiosyncratic cup to his ear and looked to the heavens, which no one's ever quite unravelled what that is um, to do with Somebody, I think, a schoolmate who died or something like that. But it's a traditional cook celebration for 100. But it's much more low-key, isn't it? It's much more understated. And then he just carries on batting, churning out, chiselling out runs. And I think that's the beauty of cricket, that it so reveals character in those key moments. I don't think anyone in Test cricket celebrates in such a low-key way as Alistair Cook. In the old days, people used to celebrate like that. They used to get to the other end, touch down, got the single, whatever, to take you from 99 to 100. You just raise the bat, you might take your cap off and just acknowledge all the spectators. These days, normally it's uh, you know running and jump and then arms in the air, fist pumping. You've got to, get, you've got to give uh, a hug to your colleague as well. Well, Cook did that. He did give a, a hug to Stuart Broad, who helped see him over the line to that double hundred on the third day but it is so muted and in stark contrast I think to just about anybody else in test cricket. I love your reference to the old days because my favourite kind of celebration or non-celebration is that Jim Laker 19 for 90, 1956 at Old Trafford, you know, the most incredible bowling figures of all time, obviously the record bowling figures of all time, 19 of the 20 wickets taken and when he took the, the 10th wicket in the second innings to break every record that's ever been set in cricket. He just sort of wheeled on his front leg and went to the umpire, took his cap and hat and walked off. And there was a few kind of understated little shakes of hands from players and they just strolled off and he went and had a pint and a fag. It's incredible. I mean, that just shows how much the game has changed. Imagine if someone took all 10 now, took 19 wickets in the match. He'd be mobbed by his teammates for a start. Or, he'd, you know, he might try one of those Courtney Walsh runs off towards square leg, which we've seen in the past and, and other players have adopted. The game's changed. And there is more raw emotion. I don't know whether television has done that. The fact that, you know, you, you, you're sort of conscious of... Uh, celebrating on television you know the fact you see yourself up there and whether you're ex- expected to do that I, I don't know I don't know why actually why it's taken off perhaps it's a football thing I mean even in football these days I mean the the, the celebrations are, are exuberant are they aren't they you know in in the past uh, you know Stanley Matthews's time they probably just sh- shook hands and jogged back to the center circle so you know, it's just an indication of the way life has changed perhaps tv has done it I don't know you know you're you're, well, you're right up there you're more of a star 
Well, actually, uh, I even did a, a little uh, advertising campaign for, for Kia last summer, uh, the, the car makers, because they created a, a, an idea, a competition, where every club team could create their own unusual wicket celebration. And we gave a few examples of the kind of things you can do. Uh, there was uh, one group of extras, sort of ex-cricketers, who stood up as if they were 10-pin bowling skittles, and then the, the, the bowler who'd taken the wicket rolled the ball to these static men and they all fell over like a skittles. And that was, that was the 10-pin the bowled celebration. And, and there were others. There was the, the red arrows, you know, where in this case, the, the red arrows was six players following behind the wicket taker in the Tom Curran sort of mole with arms extended either side. So it, it's, I suppose it adds a little bit of intrigue and imagination to the game. I, I guess, you know, one other thing I was thinking about the, the, the Cook effort was, well, maybe he was just exhausted, by the way, and that's why he didn't have the energy to, to celebrate extravagantly. But cricket is, is that rare sport where you can be on the field for three days in a row. And obviously Cook was, in, in this case, one day fielding, two days batting. And I, I guess apart from maybe a, a cycling event or something, it's it's quite rare for someone to have to have that stamina and how do you how do you find that stamina how do you create that ability to to keep concentrating for days on end I suppose it's it's partly inbuilt it's something that you grow up with if you're a cricketer if you're a batsman who's determined to make big scores you gradually get better at just concentrating for for longer periods but just the sheer stamina of sort of standing up for three days in a row six and a half hours a day it's quite Hard work. I mean, if you compare that to sort of go, going shopping or going around a museum, and you're exhausted after about half an hour in d- doing that. So it, it, there is a. I, I suppose it shows the power of the mind. Actually, when you are concentrating on something like a cricket ball, your body can survive very long periods. Just from my own experience, actually, I mean, I, I, obviously I didn't play at the, the highest level, the county level, or anything like that. I just found batting just the most challenging and interesting physical activity you can do better than anything else you know better than any other sport that, that I played I just found batting all encompassing and it, it, it's a huge challenge to be out there because you know one mistake and you're out it's, it's a it's a fantastic challenge and and Alistair Cook clearly is someone who, who relatively loves batting just like Steve Smith loves batting he just likes being out there he just likes the challenge the other thing about uh, talking about being on the field for all, all three days of the game. He's actually obviously been on the field now for the, the first four days of the game, albeit we had some rain. Uh, Cook has done that twice in the past. He's been on the field for the whole of a test match, twice in the past, against India in Birmingham when he made his 294 and winning by the innings, and also against West Indies at Edgbaston early this year when he made that double hundred and then fielded when... England bowled and bowled West Indies out twice. So he's been on the field for the whole game twice. And actually, in the history of the game, games that have lasted 200 overs, 27 people have been on the field for the whole match. And Cook has done it twice already, and he might do it three times tomorrow. It depends what happens on the final day, of course, if England were able to bowl Australia out and Cook perhaps see England over the line. Yes. Well, I can sort of see, certainly, he won't be giving it away in the second innings. Uh, Isn't he the first batsman to carry his bat in a Melbourne cricket ground test match? He's the highest uh, scorer to carry his bat 
at the MCG. They had to take uh, uh, Viv off the honours board in the MCC members area today. They've got these, this sort of quasi honours board. It's not the honours official honours board. That's in the in the changing room. But they they have Viv 208, the highest score by a visiting batsman. That was taken down today. I'm not sure what's happened to that placard, but they've got to put Cook up there. Of course, they didn't know how many uh, Cook was going to score until Jimmy Anderson was out today, till England's innings was closed. They couldn't put it up overnight. They couldn't put his 244 not out up overnight. They've got, to make, they've got to find the man who made the other three that are up there, the best you know, home bowling figures, the best away bowling figures, and the highest home scorer. And they've got to find the man who, who made those and make one for Alistair Cook, 244 not out. Great. Well, it'll be hopefully regarded as, as Cook's match anyway at the, the MCG Test match. And I, I guess the, the only other interesting talking point today was this slightly spurious ball tampering issue, which, I don't know, it just annoys me, really. You know, as soon as bowlers make the ball do anything slightly untoward, which, I mean, didn't really happen, but as soon as you know a bowler seems on one side seems to be getting a tiny bit more response or... Uh, movement than the bowlers on the home side normally. All hell breaks loose and cameras focus in on some completely innocuous piece of handling of the ball. What, what, what was your take on it? Well, Jimmy Anderson's thumbnail was near the quarter seam on the shiny side and Channel 9, who are covering the match out here, they focused on it. Michael Slater made a comment about it and inevitably it was picked up by the media. It's a slow news day because there wasn't that much cricket today. We, we lost half a day and the cricket we had wasn't exactly thrilling. I mean, it was it was really determined by uh, Warner and Smith. It wasn't thrilling. So, you know, there are a lot of people out here to write. And also, I think it's right that you ask the question as well. You know, what was going on? And the questions were asked afterwards. Trevor Bayliss was put up by England and he said, the umpires have said there's no problem at all, we were just cleaning the ball. That was all that was happening and the umpires just said, well, make sure you, when you do clean the ball that you know, we can see it so that we can just make sure everything is above board. What has happened is that both teams have been warned about scuffing the ball, i.e. You know, throwing the ball in from the deep, looking for spurious runouts, that sort of thing, and trying to alter the condition of the ball like that. But you know, sometimes you think, well, on a pitch as flat as this, uh, I mean, there are people who say, well, you should be able to tamper with the ball and just get on with it. Well, one of them's of me. One of them's me. I think, yeah, absolutely yeah. right. I, I think you should. I, I mean, not not with outside implements by bringing on bottle tops and things, but I think you should be able to manipulate the ball into a state where it actually does something, especially on a pitch like this. And I mean, that that whole thing about you can't bounce the ball in from the boundary to scuff it up on an old pitch. I mean, that's just such a load of absolute rubbish. Of course you can do that. What, what's wrong with it? And actually, what happens when you're in the a huge ground like the MCG and you need to bounce the ball in because it's about 90 yards to the wicket anyway. What what do the umpires want to do? What do the authorities want to do? Get bowlers wrecking their shoulders by making sure they hurl it in on the full? No, sorry. I don't I, think I, they're complaining about that, Simon, so much. I, I'm not saying they the are bowlers. complaining about that. They're complaining about the deliberate ploy of bouncing the ball in and getting it scuffed up. But I think that's completely legitimate. It doesn't necessarily guarantee the ball's going to land on the right bit of the ball when you throw it in like that anyway. And in actual fact... That's what coaches tell you to do when you're learning to play cricket. From the boundary, they say, actually, bounce it in because it arrives at a much more convenient height for the wicketkeeper and doesn't put your shoulder out of its joint. I think the the umpires and the, the authorities are saying that what they're not so happy with is when you know a batsman pushes it away on the offside to mid-off and the fielder then hurls it into the pitch back to the wicketkeeper 
you know, where there's no chance of a, a run out, something like that. Anyway, I think that's that's the line that they've drawn anyway, and they've they've suggested to both sides that that is not something they should do. But the, the Jimmy Anderson incident, I think, is going to fade away. Uh, Trevor Bayliss said the umpires mm. were, were happy that England were only cleaning the ball, and it, you know, he described it as a beat up, basically a beat up by the Australian media. Yeah, well, we're we're well used to that, aren't we? And in in the end, uh, you just got to take it on the chin, I suppose, and and make sure that you don't give them any cause or or reason to to mistrust you or to uh, have any suspicion. Uh, bowlers actually have become pretty good over the last ten years at a behaving themselves and b just sort of subtly mimicking the natural abrasions that a ball gets on a on a dry surface. Uh, you know the old little bit of finger work, uh, just to sort of almost enhance the scratches and things like that. And I'm not saying that they actually dig their fig nails in. It's just a question of rather than polishing it, almost letting your hands run across the the rough bits and just making them a little bit worse. And I, I think that's perfectly legitimate, personally. And people should get off bowlers' backs and give them something better to bowl on than this placid, docile feather bed at the MCG. Well, that that's that's one issue that the pitcher is is too docile. I mean, basically, what you're saying there is that bowlers do try it on in the way that batsmen try it on when they nick it and don't walk. For example, what is the difference between a batsman nicking it and not well, walking yeah. and a bowler trying exactly. trying to you know give himself or herself a bit of an advantage by by getting the ball scuffed up? I mean, it's clear to me, just talking to lots of ex players, that you know bowlers do try it on, and some bowlers are actually much better at it, and sometimes some fielders are much better at altering the condition of the ball away from the eyesight of the umpires. Uh, I mean, you'd mm. probably agree with that, wouldn't you? I do. I do totally agree with that. Funnily enough, I, I, I grew up with that because my cricket club, Ealing, which I played for in the sort of late 70s and early 80s, they had a player who fielded at Gully who was a, a, a completely rubbish cricketer. He batted at number nine and bowled awful off-spin, which just got walloped all over the ground. But his key role in the team was when the ball went to gully or when it went to slip and was fed round to, to gully, he just picked the seam because he had incredibly strong fingernails and he just got them right underneath the seam so that when it came back to me at the bowler's end, I could almost cut my hand on it. It was so upright and, and sharp. Um, but, you know, there have always been players who are good at that and as long as they can do it without being detected, good luck to them. Well, a bit like batsmen who nick it. I mean, they, they try to get away with that, don't they? They... Butter wouldn't melt in their mouth when they stand there. We've seen it, you know, <laughs> plen- plenty of examples. We've seen it in this test match. Batsmen who've known they've nicked it and, and haven't walked. And you know, it's then up to the team to review it if the umpire hasn't given it out. And then, of course, you, you know, you're probably going to be sent on your way. You just hope there's nothing on the snicker or, or hotspot. You hope to get away with it. But you know, with DRS, it's much harder to do that now, which I, which I think is a, a good thing for the game. But, I mean, it, it, does, it is a bit one law for one and one law for another when it comes to batsmen and bowlers. Yeah, absolutely right. And unfortunately, the game is run by batsmen, so bowlers get it in the neck most of the time. Anyway, listen, I'm thinking that today is a day to get back under the duvet, really, because it's raining outside in England. The debris of Christmas is still all around my house. I don't want to look at it. I definitely haven't got any money left after Christmas, so I'm not going out anywhere. So I'm going to go and lie down and and keep quiet for a day and hope uh, for for a better day at the MCG tomorrow. And maybe, maybe... And England win, what do you reckon? Well, possibly, possibly. You've got to get past Warner and Smith. Long day, 98 overs. It's miserable and, and grey here in Melbourne 
as well after the, the fourth day we've had plenty of rain today but the forecast is much better for tomorrow I say much better i.e. dry it's not going to be particularly warm about 20 21 degrees but overcast so you know, if you have got a long day ahead in the field those conditions are, are not too bad as far as England are concerned there is definite hope of an England victory but Australia showed today that they will not give up this test match lightly they are fighting all the way to make sure England don't get any sort of consolation at the end of this series come on England speak to you tomorrow goodbye for now Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.